What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Eichenhofer. The Pelicans have won two games on this road trip to beat the Atlanta Hawks last night, 117 to 112, and now sit in ninth in the Western Conference playoff race as they have jumped the Lakers, or are now tied with the Lakers, but Pelicans on the tiebreaker as of now. And I think the Charlotte Hornets were pleased at how things turned out yesterday with the Pelicans taking down the Hawks and joining us from the Hornets today is Sam Barber, radio voice of the Charlotte Hornets. Sam, I appreciate the time. Good to talk to you. How are you? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we did able to help you out a little bit last night. We don't expect the same tonight as the Pelicans and both the Hornets are in that ninth spot battling for a play-in. But I do want to talk about first the four-game winning streak. Kind of what have you seen from the Hornets that have allowed them to, once they turn the corner, they've had kind of streaks like this before, but why they've been playing so well of late. Well, I think we got to thank you twice because the winning streak started with you guys as well. So uh, it had to be an occasion where New Orleans was really shorthanded, uh, a lot of injuries, basically anyone who'd ever been considered for an all-star game was out for that one. And uh, Hornets were able to take advantage there, even though I thought New Orleans, the players that were on the floor, played a reasonably good games, particularly offensively. Um, but for Charlotte, look, this has been a very good offensive team all season long. So that's no surprise. I think one thing that they've kind of turned the corner with is figuring out how to win without Gordon Hayward. He, he has been kind of the rock of that lineup. The adult in the room is what I've heard it described as uh, over the last two seasons. And uh, this team has been top six in the East when he's been available and has been a non-playoff contender when he had not been until this current stretch. And it really feels like in the last four to eight games, they figured out how to uh, not necessarily survive without him in the sense that they don't want him back as quickly as they can. They certainly do. I think their hopes of advancing at all in the playoffs are contingent on him coming back. Uh, but they have figured out how to stop the bleeding, how to win some games, whether or not Gordon is available on any particular day. Before I get to Jim here, I want to talk about who's kind of stepped up in Hayward's out absence, who's kind of been that guy that's uh, really been, you know, it's hard to replace the production that Gordon Hayward has, but who's been a guy that's been trying to fill that role while he's gone? I mean, the fun thing about the way the Hornets play is it, it really is an across-the-board team mentality, but one player who's particularly been strong since the All-Star break is Terry Rozier. Uh, he was averaging somewhere around 18 points per game, which is fantastic. That's roughly top 30 in the NBA right there uh, prior to the All-Star break. But since then, he's up to, to about 25 points per game. He's taken kind of a similar jump to what we saw Miles Bridges take a season ago post-All-Star break. That catapulted him into the starting lineup and into consideration for a most improved this year. With Terry, I think this might be catapulting him towards maybe an All-Star season next year if he can keep it up. And then LaMelo Ball, he has really uh, kind of ironed out some of the creases from his game. Far fewer turnovers recently. Uh, even games where he is making mistakes, say, in the first half, he seems to be able to figure it out by the second and just play a cleaner game. Uh, so we're seeing, you know, even if, if the numbers, the, the counting stats don't always indicate it for LaMelo, the way he's been able to control games over the last week is really a step forward for a very bright and young career that LaMelo has. Sam, I think there's at least a couple similarities that I see between the Pelicans and the Hornets. Um, I think both teams are really fun to watch. For one thing, they both like to play fast and, are pretty dangerous when they get out in the open court. I think Charlotte's probably the team maybe in the East that I've watched the most this season. Um, I, I was wondering, Pelican, another similarity between the teams, I think, is they there's been a lot of streakiness, especially lately for New Orleans where they had a stretch where they won uh, four or five games in a row and then lost four games in a row. Um, for New Orleans, I think some of that you can kind of t- 
tied to the player availability or lack of availability that's come and gone. But for Charlotte, they seem to be that kind of team where I feel like throughout the season when they seem like they're about to get hot over a long stretch, they go in the opposite direction and vice versa. Is there anything that you can pin, point your finger to of why they have been like that, where they've been just kind of streaky throughout the whole season? Well, injuries have been, you know, one big storyline in that regard. We had about uh, about midway through the season, I think in December, where it seemed like half the team was on health and safety protocols. And I think uh, we were the ones where the NBA kind of knows, hey, you know, if one team gets hit by like six of these cases, we might want to give them some hardship 10-day contracts and just time for that to be put into place. All our guys came back, so we didn't need them at the time. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, But I think injuries and absences have had something to do with the streakiness and also the relative youth of the team still uh, outside of Gordon Hayward. And, and I, and I think you can count in guys like Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre as solid bets as well. But um, you know, this is a very young team at its core. And so they're going to be prone to more ups and downs, highs and lows. I think the good news for Hornets fans is you do see that high level play show up. Uh, it's one thing to, you know, have ups and downs. And the only time you get hot is when you're beating the bottom feeders in the NBA um, but the Hornets have had some runs here where they beat Milwaukee, where they played well with Miami. Um, so th- that gives you a lot of hope that the core that is here, as young and uh, developmental as it might be, uh, is one that's capable of winning at a very high level for a long period of time as they continue to get healthier, to develop, to get older, more experienced. New Orleans and Charlotte, as of last night, too, are also both in ninth place in their conferences. But I think the real big difference between where teams – where both teams sit with three weeks left in the regular season is that New Orleans doesn't really have a realistic shot to move up any further from ninth based on the standings, but the Hornets do. Um, How important do you think that is for them to be able to maybe move up into eighth and, you know, catch Brooklyn, you know, over the, over the remainder of the season and how realistic do you think that might be? I mean, it's vital. It's vital. We got the experience, the taste of it last year in the first year of the play-in tournament where Charlotte uh, had been in a, a top eight position most of the year. And then, went into free fall at the end of the season, ended up in the 9-10 game, and it was one and done. Uh, and, and it was a feeling at the time that, you know, maybe Gordon Hayward needed one or two more days. Maybe he would have come back. So having that one extra game could have made all the difference. Um, I, I think it's part of the beauty here of the play-in tournament. I, I really love it. I think instead of most years, the spots you're contending for are one versus two, two versus three, four versus five. That used to be the old model where, you know, those were the, the, the spots you were contending for on the ladder, eight versus nine, obviously, as well. But everything else, it didn't matter. You know, you were either going to be home or road. You know, what, what's the difference? Now, six versus seven matters, being in the bracket automatically versus having to go to the play-in. Seven versus eight matters, having, getting to host that game versus not. Eight versus nine matters, getting a one, sh- one win and two shots uh, versus having to win two in a row. Uh, and on and on down the line. So I think it makes everything more competitive, more exciting. Uh, you're right. The Hornets uh, are, are definitely looking to, to move up here and have an opportunity to. Um, Brooklyn, as great as they have looked at times over the last couple of weeks when they have all their pieces together, will be playing in New York quite a bit in the next couple of, of weeks here. And that means they have a different roster than they normally do at home. So that could present an opportunity for the Hornets to move up. They've got to hold up their end of the bargain, though, and get wins like the game tonight here against the Pelicans. Sam, are you all in on this plane continuing from, from years to come? I mean, obviously it's benefited teams like right now, if the Pelicans didn't have a play in right now, they'd be almost, I would think eliminated as they are pretty far away from eight. They're very unrealistic to get in at eight. Um, I know you guys are closer to eight than us, but do you see this play in uh, moving forward and do you like it? 
I, I really like it. I hope it does. You know, I, I think it's all about creating more incentive to compete and, and compete for longer. I think we're seeing less teams be sellers at the deadline or, or just go into fire sale mode and say, we're tearing this down. There's going to be some teams that are maybe older that say, hey, competing for the, the ninth or 10th spot for the play-in tournament, that, that's not what we're about right now. Uh, let's, you know, take out some salary here. Let's start to build towards the future. That's still going to happen. I think for young teams like the Pelicans, like the Hornets, it offers a different route to play more meaningful games. And uh, hearing from the guys from LaMelo Ball, from Miles Bridges about what that experience was like, even getting blown out in a one-and-done situation in the playing tournament last year, that's invaluable experience that will only help them later on down the line. And that's experience they don't get in the old format. So, um, you know, I, I'm not saying I like every idea that comes out of the league office. There's, there's always things that you can quibble with, but I, I really think this one is a home run. I, I think there's no downside to having more teams compete. I understand if you're in the uh, seventh spot uh, that you don't like the, th the thought that, hey, two years ago we're just in the tournament. Uh, now we got to play someone else. But I think you can flip that around and say, look, you're the seventh spot. You're a big underdog against the two. Maybe getting some momentum by winning a play-in tournament game is just what you need to give yourselves a better chance. Or if nothing else, it's a more exciting version. So as we get deeper into it, I think it'll become more solidified as a part of the NBA calendar. But for me personally, I'm a big yes vote and, and uh, would love to see it continue. Couple more questions for Sam Barber, radio voice of the Charlotte Hornets. We'll talk about Lamelo Ball a little bit. Of course, um, last year had a fantastic rookie year. Uh, where have you seen his growth from year one and, and year two? I think it's cutting the turnovers down and just having more control over the game. You know, Lamelo, I think in his first season, maybe a little bit more, it, it was a really, really good player that was a part of a machine. And now it feels more and more like he's the one running the machine. That doesn't necessarily mean that his assists are always going to spike to 10 or 12 a game because that's not the Hornets offense to have LaMelo just hold the rock for 20 seconds of a shot clock. But he does dictate how things flow and the speed of the offense. If we were counting hockey assists, I think he'd be right up there amongst the, the leaders in the NBA. So his ability to cut down on turnovers and, and really just control this offense uh, with a, a little bit more safety while not losing any of the splash that you get uh, with a special player like him. He can make passes that no one in the NBA seems willing to attempt. Uh, he's not just willing, but he's able to successfully do it. So he's a special kid, um, but I think his ability to take down some of those turnovers, some of the mistakes, has made him a better player and the team a better product. Before I let you go, obviously the team that you guys – face at the beginning of their winning streak, a little different look um, than even just a week or so ago. Um, this time, CJ McCollum back in the fold. Don't know yet about Devontae Graham, who will hope to make his return to Charlotte tonight against the Hornets. Um, I'm not sure how much you were able to watch last night, but kind of what have you seen from the Pelicans and what's it going to take tonight for the Hornets to get past them? What, what, what have you seen from uh, New Orleans lately? I, I did watch the game. Definitely enjoyed it. It was a, a good one, good result for the Hornets. You know, this is the time of year where your scoreboard watching a little bit more intently, especially in our side of the business. I, I, I like New Orleans pieces here. I would really love to see what this team could do if you had all of your uh, all-star level players. If Zion were, uh, were available, that would be a lot of fun to see. Uh, another young, bright star, and hopefully uh, next season he's able to go the full 82. Um, but I think C.J. McCollum kind of, in addition to adding a big scoring punch, is a bit of that Gordon Hayward type for this team. Now, the Pelicans have other veterans like Valanchunas and others that can kind of fill that role too. 
Um, but I think, you know, with him, it just becomes a, a better, more efficient offense and obviously a better shooting team overall. I think for the, the Hornets, the thing to be concerned about is the size that you guys put out there with those twin towers, Hayes and Valanciunas. Rebounding has not been a strong suit for the Hornets this season. So it's not so much uh, in a head-to-head shooting competition can the Hornets win that. They're going to win that against most teams in the NBA. It's how many extra opportunities do the Pelicans get? And when you look at the box score from last night, that was the issue for Atlanta in that one. Uh, New Orleans didn't shoot a better percentage, but they took nine more shots. They didn't make as many threes. Uh, they made slightly more free throws. You know, the end of the game situation dictated that a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, it was the extra shot attempts that allowed the Pelicans, in my opinion, to win that game. And that's what the Hornets have to be concerned about. They can shoot, you know, 50% against the Pelicans, 42 but if New Orleans has 15 more shot attempts, that will end up being a problem. All right, that's Sam Farber, radio voice of the Charlotte Hornets. He'll be on the call on the other side tonight as it's a big one for both teams as they are trying to stay in the plane. Hunt both teams at nine heading in tonight's ballgame. Sam, I appreciate the time. Have a good call. and We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. Good stuff there from Sam. We continue to preview tonight's game between the Pelicans and the Hornets as Jim Eichenhofer sticks around for just a little bit. And, and Jim, you know, we talk about the play-in and the format and i mean i agree with him as far as i think it's great for the league especially for teams like the pelicans and the hornets because if there's no play in you know this game is not as important as it is tonight as both teams are sitting at ninth right now and i just think as he mentioned too there's so many layers to teams six and seven seven and eight eight and nine nine and ten ten eleven that's five different layers of how important the play in can be to certain teams, and I just think it's been such a great addition for the NBA. The term that Sam used was he called it a home run. I would call it a logo three to put okay. it in basketball <laughs> terms. I feel like it's been just emphatically a great idea. And across the board, there's so many reasons why it's been a positive thing that people like. You know, one other thing I would add to what he said too was um, I think at this time of the season, you really, I really notice it in terms of he mentioned how there's fewer teams that are in the mode of like, ah, the season's over. We're going to just throw some guys out there and whether we win or not, it doesn't matter to me to reduce the pool of teams, the way the NBA has at the end of the season that really aren't incentivized to win has helped a lot too, because as you and I know from the scoreboard watching, we do to have only a couple teams. I'm not sure what the number would be, maybe five or six teams that are completely in the entire NBA that are completely out of the running realistically, maybe not mathematically, but realistically, there's probably two or three teams in both conferences right now that don't have a chance and are in that mode. So to make it only five or six teams as compared to maybe before the plan tournament was implemented, that number might've been, you know, 10, 11, 12 teams at the end of the season, when you're, when you're in a race like the Pelicans are right now, and you're tied with the Lakers in ninth place, um, when you're watching the scoreboard and you see the Lakers come up against team X that's already out of the race. And then the next two days later, they play another team that's out of the race. I think it's frustrating and it kind of dilutes the race a little bit when you have so many teams that don't have anything to play for, but they're also directly affecting the postseason race because they're going to come up as opponents against teams that are playing for something and do care about the outcome of every single game. So I think that's another part of this that people don't really talk about. And I don't think I've talked about it very much either, but something I thought about, that I think has also been really beneficial. You don't want to have the race come down to, okay, the last two weeks of the season, 
the Lakers are playing against all teams that don't have a chance and don't care where, you know, the Pelicans are playing against teams that are all in the, in the hunt. It's actually side note. It's actually kind of the opposite right now where the Lakers are playing against all good teams. And I noted too, that um, yesterday that they have of their next nine Lakers, next nine games, they have seven games against teams with winning records. And they're all almost all teams of those seven that are like at the top of the conference or just, teams that are pretty much locks to make the playoffs in the, especially in the West. Um, and the only two games they have of those nine that aren't against the team that is above 500 against the Pelicans, which just beat them by 28 points in um, crypto.com arena. Very good. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, they have a, their schedule is very tough and I like, that's what you want to see. You want to see teams have to be out teams that are motivated to win as opposed to the way it was before where just mathematically it was unavoidable that there were going to be a lot of teams that were out of the mix completely and directly affecting who gets in the playoffs and who doesn't. So I much prefer that aspect of this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that schedule. I mean, they're on this four game road trip right now at Cleveland tonight, they come home for one game. And I believe that forget that who that one game is at Sixers. Home, I think Sixers and then yep. they're back on the road and you mentioned mm-hmm. it. It's a tough schedule for them the rest of the way. Um, there's a chance, you know, if they continue on their trend and the Pelicans continue the way they are, uh, the Lakers would have a problem trying to stay in 10th. Um, that also requires the Spurs or the Trailblazers to step up. And right now, both teams really not doing that, even though the Spurs had a huge win yesterday, thanks to a Josh Primo offensive rebound and bucket to give the Spurs a win over the Warriors. And that's another thing for the Pelicans. They wrap up the season against the Warriors, who will not have Steph Curry as he will be out until the playoffs. So, that's another thing to look at as far as the Pelican schedule. They have Memphis and Golden State on the back-to-back. Well, those two teams have locked up their seating by then. There's a good chance that Memphis could lock up two and Golden State could lock up three. So resting players could be something that they do. But we'll go down the road by that when we get to it. But let's go back to last night a little bit as the Pelicans, these first quarters on the road trip, Jim, 35-10 to 10 against San Antonio, 35-18 against Atlanta. Uh, if it wasn't for that last night, who knows where this game would have gone because Atlanta crawled their way back in the ball game. But these first quarters have, have been crucial after the last eight games before that. The, the first quarters have been abysmal for New Orleans. I think you got to give the coaching staff credit as well as the players because they just seem so ready to play the last couple games. I mean, and it's stretched beyond that as well to some of the really successful nights they've had lately where they come out in the first quarter and even watching it on TV from a few hundred miles away, you can see the the difference in intensity between them and their opponents. So I, I love that. I feel like that's been something that has boosted them throughout the season, especially after they got off to this, the one in 12 start that they had back in November. So um, it's been fun to watch. I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about Jose Alvarado and justifiably so today, but he's been kind of, uh, to me, symbolic of the kind of season that New Orleans has had where he's an undrafted guy, but he plays with so much heart. It was something that Antonio Daniels was talking about on the TV broadcast last night, how there's certain things that you can't measure when you scout players. And uh, it, it was just, it was a blast to watch them pull off the win and to see him come through the way he did in the fourth quarter. But as you said, he was a huge part of the first quarter as well that, Pelicans tied a franchise record with nine steals and between he and Herb Jones, they had five just with those two guys. So, I mean, they definitely set the tone of aggressiveness and, and the defense swarming right off the bat against the Hawks. 
All right, so before we get out of here, Sam kind of mentioned his keys for tonight. What sticks out to you about this kind of rematch? I know the Pelicans certainly owe the Hornets one for what they did inside the Smoothie King Center. But as we mentioned, there was no B.I., there was no C.J. McCollum. You do at least have C.J. back tonight. And I feel like even in just a matter of a week or so that this game was played in New Orleans, 10 days ago, to be exact, is when this game was last played. Um, things have changed a little bit between both teams. Yeah, I mean, from that aspect, I'm really looking forward to this game. I would be anyways, but to see with CJ how much difference the Pelicans can look because, you know, that was a struggle. And the Charlotte in the second half just really took off and put New Orleans away in that third quarter, um, ended up with 142 points. So I am curious to see how much more competitive the Pelicans can be this time. Um, I haven't quite wrapped up or even started my fan duel keys to the game. So I'll have to, uh, but, but since I'm, this is going to be on the show, I, I'll try to stick to what I was thinking they were going to be. Um, I think really one of the big emphasis for me is transition defense against Charlotte because they were able to get out, get runouts and fast break points in the previous game. And that's something that they do all season. So that's not like it's that unusual. Um, and just also just defensively for the Pelicans, they gave up 142 points in that game. It was Point-wise, the worst defensive game they played this season. So those are two of the things that I'm looking at and also rebounding to see if the Pelicans can try to do a better job of taking advantage of being, you know, a better rebounding team than Charlotte. All right. Should be a good one tonight. Pelicans and Hornets. Will we see Jim offer in the studio tonight? We're 2-0 and on this road trip when Jim appears on the Pelicans radio network. I've been pressuring him since last night after the game. I'm not sure it's going to work this time around. It is a back-to-back. Uh, but maybe we'll see Jim post game. If not, we'll certainly be on the podcast on Wednesday for sure. Jim, let's get another one tonight. Sounds good. This might be a load management night for me. You oh, know, man. that's a big trend in the NBA. And I feel like, you know, I, I have no choice but to follow that trend. But either way, uh, hopefully the Pelicans can win, whether I'm in the studio or not. I know that that's going to be something they, they discuss in the locker room that they're going to say, hey, we're going to have to overcome if Jim isn't in the studio. But you know, knowing this team the way that I do, where they started off the season as poorly as they did, and they've been able to move into ninth, I have full confidence in them. Yeah, load management's really tough to sit there and watch a basketball game. I can definitely understand that. And, and if things don't go the Pelicans' way, I'm putting it on the record now, you know who to blame, everyone. It is Jim Eikenoffer of Pelicans.com. Jim, I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Sounds good. All right, Pelicans and Hornets tonight. You can watch it on Valley Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hale. You can listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with Todd Graffinini, John the Shazer, and Aaron Summers. I'll pregame for you on the radio side at 5.30. TV will be in their pregame coverage as well at 5.30. 6 p.m. Central tonight, Pelicans and Hornets. Then Pelicans are back home for a crucial three-game homestand. Every game is crucial, but the Chicago Bulls roll into town Thursday and then the back-to-back of a lifetime for New Orleans, Saturday against the Spurs, Sunday against the Lakers. Hope to see everyone at the Smoothie King Center for all three games. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Big thanks again to Sam Farber. And for Jim, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CEO.